You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But I think the thing that, that has been the same is I've always felt about two things is put yourself in really interesting situations and really interesting things happen. And if you are a good person, treat people well. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Was It Chance, the podcast about embracing opportunity and taking intentional risk for your creative life. I'm Heather Vickery. A very tan Heather Vickery. And I'm Alan Seals. And Heather and I started off as two perfect strangers who met by chance and embraced opportunity. Listen in as we chat with other successful people about the risks they've taken to put themselves on a path to creative success. You just came back from Mexico, by the way. That's why you are tan. I did. I took a dozen of my clients on on a, a retreat and it was amazing. What was the retreat? What it plug plug your other stuff real quick. <laughs> plug my other stuff. So this is for my coaching community, um, which used to be called Intentionally Brave Entrepreneurs and is now called the Brave Circle. And it's folks that I have worked with and supported over the last couple of years who have grown in incredibly tremendous ways. What we're doing is um, we're putting our fear just to the side and doing it anyway and building incredible businesses and incredible lives. So we all got together for five days and did crazy things like laugh. You would love laugh yoga and dance therapy. I did shit I did not know I could do. You, um, I need to know about this in advance next time because I'm coming to this. But <laughs> I, A, because it's Mexico, B, because it's you, and C, because it's still you. All right. It so was fun. I am, I am very excited to welcome our guest today, Mr. Mike Abrams. And I know Mike through several avenues that we're going to get into. And I work with him directly through the Broadway community. But the ironic thing is he has zero experience in the Broadway community. Zero. And that's what makes him so, so special. <laughs> <laughs> he started playing hockey as a three-year-old old almost exclusively watches NBA basketball and early 2000s sitcoms on TV. In 2016 he moved to New York, saw the revival of Cats that July that was on Broadway and became obsessed with the lack of plot and unique ending and then started telling his theories to anyone who would listen, literally like on the street. He hasn't stopped since. He's currently a senior manager at Google helping brands with their digital marketing strategy all while hosting one of my favorite podcast called The Wrong Cat Died, which he calls his thesis on why Grizabella was the wrong cat to die. Now, I shall sit back and enjoy what I suspect, <laughs> suspect is going to be an instant friendship between you and Heather, Mike, who agree Cats <laughs> is one of the strangest musicals ever imagined. Go strange wasn't the word I used when we were texting about having Mike on the show. Strange wasn't the word I used. Now, what word did you use? Worst is the Worst. word I used. Okay, I got to yeah. ask though, what, what's the reason you disliked mm, it? I know, and we need to get into this with you. So I have back, I have, I have story. Uh, when I was 14, yeah, I, I did some modeling. The problem was I never grew any taller than I was at 14, so then they That's quickly- That's say you did some molly. Get rid of me. But yeah, at 14. No, hmm. come on, Alan. Anyway- that would, that would have helped the cat's liking. It, it might, have, it might have. So I was there with uh, my mom and some other people, and we had a choice. We were we had the money and the time to see one Broadway show, and it was between wait wait for I can't wait to see Alan's face, Cats, and Lemas, <gasps> and the other people picked Cats. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. The the sound you just made, the face that everybody can't see. I'm still angry, like. Almost 35 years later, I'm still angry about it because I've seen Lemus lots of times since then, and I really would have liked to have seen it on Broadway. Anyway, it was really boring. I don't remember much. I'm like, whatever. It's not what I wanted. 
And then it came through Chicago uh, several years ago, four or five years ago, and I have Broadway in Chicago season tickets. And I take my kids, I split them up, and I take them to different shows. And I took my then nine-year-old, she's now 12, so somebody do that mm. math, uh, to see here. it. And she started crying. She loves Broadway. I mean, she's an actress. Like, she's really talented. She can sing. She's amazing. And uh, when it was intermission, she started to cry. And she was like, Mommy, this show is so terrible. <laughs> and she I was said, nine? I said, do you want to leave? And she's like, but I don't want to not be with you. And I said, well, then let's go do something fun. And we just left <laughs> at intermission. Oh. Wow. Mike, so you've I know. Covered, you've, covered, well, you've covered two pieces of this already. I, I don't think children should, she, should uh, see the show. I think it's very dark. It's very sexual. It goes a lot. goes over. And a lot of it went head. over her head, which is fine. But normally she but would just like. You saw it like at 14, though. The you're the other, you're, there's three buckets. It's kids, it's teenagers, and then it's adults. And the teenagers is the bucket I think is the strangest because it can be, you can get most of those things. Like you can realize that, hey, there's an <laughs> yeah. orgy happening on stage. Yeah, or that there's yeah. one cat that is having, they're losing their virginity in their dance. Like those things don't come out like a nine-year-old's not going to recognize that a 14-year-old might an adult is like me going like what the hell did i just watch and why are we doing this and right why are we i've also never seen les mis i've seen the movie but um, i've never seen it it's fucking good <laughs> I lo- yeah i love and uh, i, I want to get to the, cre- the the manifesting creativity the whole purpose of this podcast we'll get into yes, that yes yes but, yes but the the i just love mike how like you hardly you're not a broadway person you're sports and hoosiers and in you can see I got sports behind me. You I got sports. Sports everywhere. And then Cats has been this weird, weird obsession for you that has essentially like I shaped so much of who you are now because, well, okay, first I want to get, I want to back up and, and literally just talk about Embracing Chance about how you started the podcast in the first place, which has become this like, I want to call it this underground cult podcast that's like steadily gaining this massive traction behind these these fans <laughs> discovering their love or hate for cats. I, uh, I, I think, mean, I want yeah. to even know what led you to the theater. So I'll take it a step, even one step further back. So I'm born and raised in Indiana, lived in India until 2016 had no intentions of leaving Indiana, like loved my life there. My whole family was there, had a great job there, was not looking to move, had just bought a home. Like I was settled in Indiana and I got put in touch with somebody building on a team in New York at Google. And I went through, you know, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll take that interview. You know, like, why not? Like, I'll, of course I'll take that interview. And I got the job offer and I moved three weeks later after I got the wow. offer. So I had like, I moved into temporary housing. I moved into like, I booked a flight. I moved the day after the Indy 500 in 2016. I went to the Indy 500, wow. which I'd gone to, to almost everyone since I'm eight years old. Um, went to the 500 <laughs> the next morning at 6 a.m. flew to New York, went to temporary housing, had never really ridden the subway, had never been outside of the tourist traps part. I've been to New York plenty of times, but I've been to Times Square and the Statue of Liberty and Rockefeller Center. I knew the West Village existed. I knew Brooklyn existed. I had never stepped <laughs> foot in any of them. <laughs> so I was like trying to figure out what, where do I get on the subway? Do I have like, do I have to go? Where do I get the car? Like all these things that you know are very simple things for New Yorkers. But as someone who had never sure. taken public transportation in Indiana. Yeah, so they don't, it doesn't exist. <laughs> it's it's growing. They do have a new little bus system that I don't know if anybody rides, but if any Indiana don't people the retired Indy 500 me. cars start acting as taxis and just <laughs> yeah. zooming through down. Yeah. You know what's yeah. really ironic about that is I lived in Indianapolis. We were just talking before we started recording that it's where I'm from as well. I've never been to the track. I lived never. there for 23 years, and I never, I've never once been to the track. Well, we can get to this later. We took a Google Street View car around before the 2018 Indy 500. So you can experience it like it's race day. And I appreciate that offer. If you would offer, like to on Google Maps. But I'd rather go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so Go ahead. All right. Tell us so your this story. So, so I go. took a nosedive. <laughs> so doesn't like the Indy 500, hates cats. We're off to a great start. <laughs> I just don't sport. I just don't sport. But I love... The thing is, I want to hear you. I the thing is, I love 
art. I love artistry. I love theater. I love music. And so while I really, I really want to appreciate it, and for goodness sakes, I love, I love Andrew Lloyd Webber. Like, I, you know, I just, uh, it didn't do it for me. Just not you. So I get to New York. I'm in temporary housing, and it's at, like, 56th in, in Broadway. Like, it's theater district. Like, it couldn't be more in the heart of theater district. And I had always liked musicals. I've always enjoyed I, I like live performances of people at the top of their field, which is why I like yeah. sports. You're seeing the best of the best do stuff. And so my mom's a music teacher. Uh, she teaches piano. And so I, we went, but Indiana gets five shows a year touring. And that's it. And usually it's yeah. like of those five shows, two of them you care about. Maybe you yeah. get a good season. I saw Les Mes and, at Clues Hall uh, when see, I was a little I, kid. Les didn't wasn't the one that went. I went to see American Idiot. I went to see Book of Mormon. Like oh, I saw the stuff that's one. more. I always tell the Broadway people I meet. I'm like the the stuff. If I like it, it's probably going to do well with the tourists. Like it, it's like yeah. that's going to be what's going to actually make money. Versus the stuff that's like really good. A lot of times I'm like that was really good, <laughs> but that's but probably Indiana. not going to sell. <laughs> Uh, because if I tried to get like my dad to come to this, he would wonder why I brought him to this. So that's sure. kind of the lens. So yeah. I always have to. That makes sense. All these Broadway people I've become friends with now, I always have to I ask. I'm like, well, I like this as Mike, a host of a Broadway podcast network podcast, like it, or will Mike, the Indiana native who just wants to be entertained for two hours, like this. Because I generally look for the latter. Like that's what I'm yeah. going for. Yeah. So I moved and I got here and I knew a handful of people, but not a ton. And I was, Indiana's very routine. And so I don't, this isn't a bad way, but in Indiana there, it gets very routine because there's, there isn't stuff like New York to do every day. There are certain sporting events. There are certain big concerts that come through. There's a five Broadway shows. It's much more of a community based culture. Like you're with your family and your friends and you go do stuff together. New York is the opposite of that. There's a, it's a free for all. There's something yeah. happening at all times, <laughs> at any time. Just step and outside. So, yeah. And so I made a point to, I came, I was my late twenties. So I was not like new young to the city, but I, I was like, I kind of knew at this point, like I'm more of an established adult. And I said, I'm going to do anything I get invited to. I'm just going to say yes to everything and go love do it, that. whether I love it or hate it yes. and figure stuff out. And then this amplified because I don't, I don't know if this is unique to my like smaller community that like I was with, but when I moved to New York, a lot of people didn't believe I was going to go to New York. And I offered up Mm -hmm. to write a newsletter about what I saw in New York and what happened at work because Google is a pretty unique place to work. There's some crazy things of like cool things, like really amazing cultural based stuff that you get to experience. And I put it out to the ether thinking like, all right, I'll have probably 10 people want to say yes. Um, And that all started because my first day I had a bunch of people ask me how it was. And I had like 300, 400 people send me their email. That's say, so cool. Send, send me your newsletter. And when you do that, and you're going to do a <laughs> weekly newsletter, all of a sudden you need, <laughs> you need content. Yeah. Like it becomes like if you, if you have a week where you just sit at home or go home right after work and do nothing or just like have, have a slice of pizza, your newsletter is kind of boring. And I always did humor writing growing up. I did humor writing. I wrote sports mm-hmm. columns for, at Indiana University. And so I started doing stuff just almost not for that. It was like super fun way to try these new things. I went to like a super indie comedy show in Queens. I was going to all these things that were unique just to be like, what's what's New York got to offer? Mm-hmm. And that is how I ended up at Cats is because a very good friend of mine uh, who I always still to this day, every once in a while, I text her and say, this podcast is your fault. Um, <laughs> I basically said, I want to, I'm living next to the theater district. What are these traditional? And I really was thinking like Phantom of the Opera, Les Mis, a bunch of these things that I've never seen, not just not seen in Indiana, never seen. Not seen, yeah. I was like, what are those shows that you could get tickets to either cheap or easy or free or whatever? Like, what should I go see? And she said, it was in 2016. She goes, mm-hmm. well, Cats is reviving. And she was able to go get two free tickets to the second to last preview. And I was like, oh, perfect. That fits that criteria. Around for years, don't know anything about it. It was Leona Lewis, so it was an easy pitch of like, oh, I at least know who one of the, like, you know, at this point, I couldn't name a single Broadway actor for you at any moment. <laughs> so I was like, someone I've, I recognize. So it was Saturday morning, uh, two o'clock show, you know, I get up. My friend has like 150, 
four fever or something. They like text me and they're like, yeah, I'm sick. I am not going. And this is gives me two hours to try to find someone to go see cats with. And I know probably at this point, six people in New York, <laughs> maybe two of which I'd feel comfortable being like, Hey, you want to go see cats? You know, like <laughs> it's not a group that you want to start just blasting out. Like I just met you at work where I know we're great friends of, after our four days, you want to go see this weird show on Broadway in an hour? Like, <laughs> so I threw it out to a couple people. No one took me up on it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm go just going to go. Myself. So I went and that's, that actually I think helped the experience because I was by myself just taking it in. Like I wasn't having any, any influence or bias of someone who was like, I don't like this. I don't get this. I was just sitting there and I remember I got my seats. It was like six row. They were amazing seats. I was six row, thankfully not on the aisle, which uh, is a big (laughs) thing for me. I'm I'm not a fan of being in a show, the whole green eyes thing where they come and scare the hell out of everybody would have like this is the way they started to show would have it, it blew my mind i was so glad i was a couple in but i had two uh tourists foreign tourists who did not speak english the entire time they were there and i had two nuns on the other side of me and it just was like <laughs> such a bizarre did you interview experience. the nuns because i would I really want to know what those nuns thought <laughs> so i walked out thinking like as a Someone who just like, again, the Indiana person who went, I'm like, I can see why some people love this show. I can see why it's a punchline of a lot of jokes. As the humor writer went, this is the one of the best vehicles I've ever seen for humor. Because mm. it's so strange. It's so weird. It's so, there's no story, which means that you can interpret so much of the story. So I took my newsletter that I'd been writing to, to hundreds of people back, almost 99% in Indiana. And I said, forget, I, I remember I, it's not publicly on the website anymore. It's basically down. Cause it's like, I don't, I was writing them very quickly on Sundays. I don't know what's in there. I'm not sure what all of in there is probably like a lot of jokes are Indiana based. So it's not public anymore. You can't find it very easily. But I remember starting that newsletter that said, New York's great, works great. Uh, if you want to know about like the normal weekly stuff, I'll fill you in. But today we're going to talk about cats. And I wrote my entire thing about cats, the musical. And I made a bunch of jokes about it. I made a point like that. I wanted to, my, my whole like story was how I wanted to hear how Andrew Lloyd Webber pitched it to a producer. <laughs> so like how yes. did he pitch this? Yes. To it? And I just remember the, the punchline was I memed him because he has a picture of Andrew Lloyd Webber with his hands up in front of him making a point and I don't I have no idea what it was but I just said it was my punchline was like it's like forget the story who's gonna do it we want a one-hit wonder Leona Lewis we're gonna do this all they're gonna sing it's gonna be like the x-factor but on LSD and this and that and it's like yo great they're gonna be humans it's like no they're gonna be cats and it's like wait did I hear that right cats and I was just like motherfucking cats <laughs> and that was how I like made fun of it and it wasn't this like big thing about the story the plot I don't remember. I couldn't. I couldn't follow ninety percent of it. I just remember rocking out, being like Mungo, Jerry, and Rumpel Teaser. I was singing that song because those two just hammered into your head. And I thought Memory was great, and it was cool to see Leona Lewis do it. I do like Memories. I mean, come on. And and that was that was it. I wrote the story, and I never thought about it again until two thousand nineteen, when the trailer came out for that <laughs> so disaster <laughs> of a movie. <laughs> And I got like 35 texts because to most people, especially people in Indiana, I was the guy that had a strong opinion about cats because I wrote one article about it. (laughs) And so I went on social media and I said, what, you know, just like a lot of times, like, what's the one joke that you could do? What's the one line? And I did think at the time when I watched it the first time being like, this is a com- singing competition show. Memory was great, but that wasn't my, would have been my vote if I'm American Idol or X Factor. I wouldn't have voted for Grizabella. I wouldn't have been America at home calling in, dialing in. I was like, that wouldn't have been my choice. And so I went up and I have this picture because I've moderated a handful of talks at Google and one of them, someone caught me. I love it because, as you remember, most of the time when you moderate, you're just asking questions sitting down with a celebrity. Mm-hmm. But for the first like 
30 seconds, you go up there and be like, all right, everybody, please uh, close your laptops and turn your cell phones off. And we're going to have two microphones on the sides to ask questions at the end. And we'll let you know when to go do that. Your That's housekeeping. It. That's the housekeeping. The All I was there. But it looks like I'm giving a talk in a full room at Google because I'm standing up there basically saying that. So I have this perfect picture that says, like, I can do welcome to my TED Talk jokes with. And I made that joke. I said, Grizabella was the wrong cat to die or was the wrong joke choice. And the new movie is going to set the record straight. Welcome to my TED Talk. We're going to take a quick break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And now we're back. And after, this had been probably a couple months into the Broadway Podcast Network being formed, I think. Because I remember Alan constantly being like, you need a podcast. And every time he said it, I said, Alan, I don't know squat about Broadway. Like, I don't know. I don't have an opinion on anything to make one episode, let alone 10 or a series or anything. And the first comment on that post on, I think this was Facebook. This would have been it. Not even Instagram. You know, I don't even go on Facebook anymore. Said, that's your podcast. The wrong cat died. And it kind of like hit. And in this moment, some, I'm still in this mindset, even five years, six years later, where I still don't want to say no to everything. I don't say yes to everything, but now I do a big trade-off analysis. And this is the way I've approached everything in life is, is that whatever you decide to do, you're going to give something else up. There's nothing, there's nobody's Mm. too busy. I hate the, I hate the phrase I'm too busy because nobody's too busy. You just prioritize other things. And so when I got that text and that comment and then that no, I was like, well, that's actually kind of funny. (laughs) <laughs> I think there's enough there. Let me see. Let me write one. Cause like, I love the, I love the exercise of writing my first st- story on cat. Like, let me see if I could write one. If I could write one and there's enough there, I could probably write 10 and that would be fun if we could work it out. I was like, but what is my trade off? What am I going to give up to do this? And so I kept thinking 10 and I actually had, I went out with, with two of my friends and we had beers before. I forget what we we're going to see, like some sporting event, like a, a a Rangers game or a Knicks game or something and we were having beers and I brought it up and I discussed it and we were, we were having the debate of like what's the best case scenario and what's the worst case scenario <laughs> which is a really funny way to like not pros and cons it but look at it. it's like the best case scenario is it blows up and it makes money and you get this huge following the worst case scenario is you are the cats guy for the rest of your life <laughs> right and no and one listens maybe both or you or you anger somebody or this and so it's like we were going through all that and i was like it was fun to do that but i was doing the what am i gonna not do instead because when yeah. you look at it, you've got a full-time job you've got you know, um, I'm getting my MBA now. You've got New York where there's stuff to go do and see and friends and things to go out. You've got, you just, there's just so much like working out, cooking, these like those things, like there's only so many hours in the day. So you've got to decide where you put them. And I decided 10 episodes. I think that's probably worth, worth doing. Um, and it was fun because I went to the, I found the fan Wikipedia page, which has rumors, which now I can probably say I've actually answered many of them. Um, but that was it. I was like, this is hilarious. There's so much here. It's there's so much to the show. If you dig into it, that, that most people that hate it are just like, yeah, it wasn't my cup of tea. But then it's like, well, this cat was actually a, a known staple, which still blows my mind is one cat is known to have been abused, sexually abused by another cat. That's like part of the story that they tell the actors that you would never figure out on stage. Like that is so strange to me and so weird 
that that's part of the show. And that is the part that now I have gone. So my 10 episodes has turned into 80 plus already because I now interview cast members because there's 41 years of cast members. It's currently running in three places that I'm aware of, including a Royal Caribbean cruise line. And <laughs> and it doesn't seem like it's ever stopping. You know, it's like it's going to always be somewhere running. So I have an endless amount of people to keep asking these same questions to. You're right that there's no in between. You either love cats or you don't like cats. Like there's not like, eh, it's fine. Like you fe- people feel passionately. Not the movie, because everybody fucking hated the movie. Was, the movie. movie was but the, I found someone that liked the movie. I did find finally found one person that liked the movie. One person? Who? I found, yeah, I worked on one. A, a future episode uh, that I recorded last weekend. Oh, my uh, goodness. I had never seen Cats until the 2019 movie and is now, like, part of their persona. Um, and so, yeah, there's one. But, Heather, <laughs> I, 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 I almost sealed. disagree with you. I think I'm that person in the middle. You are. Okay. Because I don't have this, like, dying passion. I've seen it twice. I've seen it twice live in 2016 and in 2017. I saw the revival twice. I've watched the 1998 movie on an airplane one time before I started recording the episodes. I was like, I probably should watch this whole thing through again. And that's an experience. If you ever want to get weird looks, put on your iPad cats <laughs> on a plane and you will get some people looking at you going like, what is what is this guy doing? And I was traveling for work. So I was like dressed up. I was like in business casual, have my like YouTube backpack on. And then I got cats on my iPad. So it had to be like a very surreal experience for people sitting next to me. And then I've seen the 2019 movie one and a half times. Because you just couldn't get through it. Second time I started watching, I saw Alan and I saw the first time. And then the second time I I asked my parents if they had my sister. I was like, do y'all want to watch it? We started watching it. About halfway through they go, does it get any better? And I go, no, it doesn't. And they go, okay, can we turn it off? I was like, I already saw it. So sure. So I've seen it one and a half times. So I'm not this super fan. I just now know an immense amount yeah. about the plot and the characters. Yeah. And I think it's an incredibly interesting analysis and study of like writing because it's the opposite of sitcoms. Like Alan said in the intro, I love sitcoms. It's not a sitcom. There's no A, B line. There's no neat and tidy little closing and plot. There's no conflict or resolution. It's literally just cat after cat after cat after cat after cat. And then one dies. That's the story. <laughs> It, I like I like the the analogy that you make uh, in that it's it's uh, it's it's American Idol, right? So you're all these cats show up. They have to compete for uh, you know old dude old Deuteronomy is like the judge who decides Simon Cowell. Yeah, Simon, Simon Cowell. is the Simon Cowell who decides which <laughs> one is the most worthy to die and get reborn, right? And so uh, the format and you alluded to this, but uh, I'll. I'll clarify like the first 10 episodes you committed to writing was one episode per like principal cat and you're like so the first 10 episodes of the wrong cat died are mike just monologuing about all the reasons why that cat of that episode is way more deserving to die than grizabella and which then at then that's fun which is fun. if you li- but if you listen to them you can see i did them in order and i did not know very much about the show and so I'm actually terrified to re-listen to the first four <laughs> because now with how much I know, I'm like, there's probably stuff in there that's wrong. And my favorite thing is the Cats fans are knowledgeable. The fans, like the super fans are knowledgeable. And about once every other week, I get a DM on Instagram being like, I got a bone to pick with you. This is wrong. And I'm like, <laughs> I love it. Love it. Tell me more. Where am I wrong? And it's like, if you're listening to the first four or five, there's definitely stuff in there that's probably wrong because... I couldn't even named you the cats that were eight, nine, and ten at that point, let alone know their story. It is an incredibly fascinating concept. Not I don't like cats, but how you took it and what you did with it, and as a comedy writer, even for fun, like just kind of probably your persona in high school that just stuck. <laughs> I imagine, right, the funny guy. Um, but you said a couple of things, like Alan said earlier. This this show is about embracing chance and embracing opportunity. That I just love, and it sounds like it's just the way Mike rolls, right? You were like, well, yeah, sure, I'll try that. Well, okay, yeah, I'll make that change. Well, if I'm going to do this, then I need to go all in. I mean, that's what we talk about, right? Mm -hmm. And so have you always been that way? Are you super conscious of I'm going to go try these new things or take these risks, or is it just your natural flow? No, it was New York. 
It was pre-New York, post-New York. I grew up playing hockey and I was on the ice six days a week. And I played like a competitive for Indiana hockey. And so everything was very routine. And then all of a sudden I, you know, and even post school and everything else, it was like, it was pretty standard Midwest, great like life. Like I, I have no complaints about it, but it is a routine. Mm-hmm. And then I got to New York and that routine just got flipped upside down. Because if you want to have a routine, try to ride the C train, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, it's impossible here. And it's like, there's so much happening all the time. It's like, you don't, in Indiana, you very rarely just, just go to a, an impromptu happy hour because you got to drive home. You got your car, yeah, you know, like you've true. got, you've got challenges to deal with that are different here. It was like, we're finishing up one more email to send. It's like, you want to go get a drink? And it's like, yeah. Cause that train is the same in 20 minutes or 30 minutes or two hours. It's like, yeah, of course I'll go do that. So a lot of that stuff was, it ruined your routine in a good way. In a good way, so, yeah. 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 So I wasn't, I don't think it was until I got to New York that I was like that. But I think the thing that, that I, that has been the same is I've always felt about two things is put yourself in really interesting situations and really interesting things happen. And if you are a good person, like treat people well. And I think like that naturally, that's a hard part for me in New York because New Yorks are really... Um, abrupt and not uh, New Yorkers aren't mean. There's like this misconception New Yorkers are mean. They're just they're impatient and they're on their way and they don't care if you're like they don't want you to ruin that. And so every fight I've ever seen in New York is somebody that's like, I'm trying to get from point A to point B and you're walking too slow for me, or like, and I'm gonna just tell you that. And I'm the Midwesterner who was by the way I was the slowest walker in Indiana. Then I got to New York and realized <laughs> I was gonna have to learn. I was gonna have to pick this pace up. Um, walk up. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was like, and now I'm, I'm more New Yorker where I'm just like, there's no cars, just cross the street, people. Come on, what are you doing? Um, but that was a like, I naturally am a very Midwest personality where I don't think they're talking about high energy, low energy. I also don't think like, I don't anger a lot of people in most ways just by my natural personality in which I, I hope means that people have usually a pleasant interaction or experience with me. And I think that that's a key thing. Like, you know, we talk about networking it's if you only meet somebody once, what's their lasting impression of you? Hopefully that's positive. And there are some people where I'm like, I've met them one time, I don't know anything about them, but like the one time was great, you know, like I had no yeah. issues. So I think that those two things combined are where a lot of these like unique things I've got to do in New York have happened because I've put myself in a unique situation or have made the most of being at Google and been able to put myself in a room at Google that's allowed me to meet different people and then I've had a decent interaction with them that when they come back or they have a question or they ask, I'm able to maybe make something like that happen. Or I get asked that question. I'm like, yeah, that's interesting. Like, maybe I should do that. I should try that. And then it's that trade-off game. And so I think that's a, that was something I've, I really embraced my whole life. But in New York, all of a sudden it amplified because Indiana has got unique and cool situations. I did a lot of really cool stuff in the sporting world in Indiana. But all of a sudden you get to New York and it's just like, it's a free for all. I mean, there's always unique in situations. Like I've tried to explain sleep no more to people outside of New York. And it's like impossible. <laughs> and so that was where it's like sleep no more is my nightmare. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go do it because it's gonna be unique. It's gonna be different. Okay, you got to try to explain it. it to the listeners who don't live in New York and know what that is. So sleep no more is live interactive theater. And I had heard about it. I think Girls, the HBO show, old HBO show, did a parody on it. And so, like, I knew that this was a staple New York thing to go try. And everyone talked about it. It actually was right by our office at Google. So it was, like, really close. And everyone told me, you got to go do this. And so I was like, tell me about it. And it's basically a five-story warehouse. And you all, everyone puts on masks, like, a, a, what is it, the Eyes Wide Shut mask, basically. Because that is where you're not an actor. There's like 300 people in there and there's like 12 actors and they're all throughout the different rooms. And it's loosely the story of Macbeth is at least what I was told. I was told go in with no more than one to two other people because you'll lose them. And that's okay because your point is you follow different characters and they do the show three times because you can't follow everybody. So it's like go follow Macbeth and then Lady Macbeth and then one of the wolves and witches and and you run around and they interact with you and it's live theater. It's unique. The way it was sold to me was, and this was coming from my previous job. I worked at a place where reviews were important and I'm always like a bad review. Isn't always a bad thing yeah. because a bad review could be 
my A plus five star rating. Yeah. And the way everyone told me was like, one of my friends goes, it's amazing. The first thing that happened to me is one of the characters grabbed me, pulled me in a room and I got to have a one-on-one -on -one interaction with them. And they like did this whole story and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that is my nightmare. Like, <laughs> like that's I assault. Do not that's a, want that's sexual assault. <laughs> grabbing me. I'm like, I don't want. Like, I want to be in the middle of the masses. Like, want to just like, don't please no. And then they're like something else. They're, every person's selling point were things I was like, I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen to me. Like that. That sounds awful. Like, please don't do that. Like, why would I go see this? And so I ended up going though, and I stayed very, very in the middle of lots of people from the mm -hmm. beginning, being like, "Please, no one grab me! Please, no one touch me!" And but it's fascinating. Like it's a unique show. It's all interpretive dance. There's a ton of like no one prepped me for how much nudity is in it, and so there's just a ton of nudity. There's a ton of like very unique things, and you run around this warehouse for like three hours, just following different characters as they perform and they don't. And there's like every room has stuff. There's nothing like it that I've ever seen outside of New York or maybe in you know, bigger cities. And I went and that was very much a yes, I'll go do this once um, type of thing. But I, I remember even that one made in my newsletter and a lot of people were like, that can't be real. Like, that's not real. I'm like, yeah, it is. Here it is. It runs. I, I think it's still running. Like, uh, I don't know how post pandemic they're doing it, but it's it's a unique thing. And that's like very, very non like that's that's a big city experience that is unique and that was a fun thing for me to go see and do i don't have any plans to go back um <laughs> i heard there's a brooklyn version of alice in wonderland that i was told oh it's amazing they give you they force you to take an alcoholic drink in each room if you like, it, assume it if you closed. want it. it closed oh closed and i was it like that sounds terrible too give me a drink i don't know what it is i've never heard of from a stranger in a room in brooklyn is not, Assault. <laughs> is not like what I want to do. Called Then She Fell. I went to it years ago and it is right. They only take in 16 people at a time into an old renovated church. And like I, there was one-on-one -on -one moments with most of the you cast. You don't drink either. No, I, well, I, I had, I refused most, not refused. I, I politely said no to most of the eating, drinking because for, yeah, I was, it was the weirdest, <laughs> trippiest experience that I've ever had. But anyway, so yeah, I, I agree with this, but going back to something that you've told me uh, when we've been, we've had lunch a couple times uh, recently was um, that you've, you've taken these opportunities and like you said, something, something seemingly just like, yeah, I'll try it has turned into this massive sort of down a uh, positive downstream effect. Like mm -hmm. um, when we started connecting through talks at Google, uh, you brought your sports contacts in. So then like you're able to start meeting all of these sports heroes of yours and moderating these events, which is leading to more stuff later. So touch on that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, talks at Google is it was my selling point to a lot of Googlers for the longest time. I was like, because I remember when I first got to Google, I was still in the temp housing, and we might, he might, he's canceled. He's loosely canceled right now. But the, like one of the very first ones that ended up on my calendar was the Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. And it was a 9 a.m. I remember this because it was 9 a.m. And it was only 30 minutes. And it was like the rooms don't seat enough for Googlers. So it's mm -hmm. like you got to get there and get a seat. So this one was people lined up for. Like people were there. At like It was a Monday was like, morning. Yeah, how 9 a.m. event. There were people lined up at 6 a.m. I remember 6 a.m. I got in line and I think I think we got in line at like eight and we were we were fine to get seats. And me and my friend decided to go. And I was just like, this is so like it's so unique because that was Will Smith, uh, Margot Robbie, um, the entire cast. Yeah, the entire cast, like all just in our office to talk. And then you that go start your cool. day. And so I was just like, I remember having that happen. And then. Indiana is such a small community feel that I had one or two people going like, well, how do these things get set up? You should have this person. You should have this person. I could introduce you to this person. And the first two that were presented to me were, and both of them have done them. One was Eva Kaur, who was a Holocaust survivor. Um, she passed away a couple years ago, but it was like, she had a documentary coming out about her. Mm -hmm. Very interesting story, a little controversial and like the way she talks, but just like a very unique talk. And the other was Kenny Arnoff, who was John Mellencamp's drummer. And I knew his, like his, my dad's friends with his publicist and producer, that person. 
and he was hounding me like, oh, like we're gonna do it. Let us know how much you pay them and this and that. I'm like, I don't think we pay these people. Um, you know, I'm like sitting there going like, I don't know how this works, but I don't think this is it. Uh, and so I had just started. I was like a couple weeks in. I'm like, let me figure out how to do my actual job first. Like, let me let me learn how to do what they hired me to do. Then I'll figure it out. And the one we figured out first, of course, I picked the most like complex one we could do. Is I have friends at the Indy 500, and it was ahead of the I think 2017 race, and they were like, we're gonna bring some, let's do some drivers. And this is where I think where Al and I became friends was because I said, that's great. These two drivers are fun. I was like, but I know who they are. I don't think most New Yorkers are gonna have any idea who these people are. Like, will we get anybody to come in the room for two Indy 500 drivers? And I was like, probably, probably not, maybe, I don't know. And so I told my friend who was running, like who's, you know, very high up there and a friend of mine from college, former roommate, like very good friend of mine. I was like, what about, and I started just pitching other people to join the panel. And the Indy 500 has in the third corner, what's called the snake pit, which is a party every year for the past many, many, many years. And the last like seven or eight years, it's been an EDM concert. And so I got them to have the MC of the EDM concert come, which was Ric Flair, the crazy wrestler from back in the day. And so good old Ric Flair who had a 30 for 30 coming out about how, you know, and he like was in a coma at one point. Like he, so, so that was it. So the very first one I ever planned was two Indy 500 drivers and Ric Flair with the speedway right before the race. Didn't we bring a car in? We brought a car in. Yeah, we brought a car into the building. A race car into the building. We brought a formula. Yeah, an Indy car into the building because this particular event space that we were able to hold it in is connected to the truck elevator, which can lift semi trucks because the Google building used to be owned by Port Authority. And there's so much history there that we'll get into in the history podcast. But uh, yeah, (laughs) that was I I didn't realize that was your first event. I remember that so well. I picked everything that can make it harder, hard. Like, how do we get how do we get a car in the building? When do they come? What's the insurance of that? Like, all these things. And now it's like, all right, I'm going to talk to one person and one person only. I'd be like, just show up at this time. Here are the yep. questions I'm going to ask you. Like, like, I pick very easy now. But to Alan's point, after I met Alan and, you know, like one or two other people on the team, I was like, this is, I was like, do you, do you need more? I was like, because now that I know the process, I know people that would be good for this. And so then we brought, I think my second one was Kenny. And then we started loosely talking to other people. And then as I've met more people, it's like, to Alan's point, it's like, then it was, that goes back to what I said earlier. I put myself in really interesting situations and I did one with um, Boomer Esiason. And Boomer Esiason's foundation director was like the nicest guy. And in the green room, I was chatting with him before we, you know, before we went up. And he was like fascinating and there was all the stuff he was trying to do and he was trying to do stuff with the Colts. And I was like, well, I, like, I know some people, the Colts, I'm sure you probably know better people, the Colts, if you're Boomer Esiason's person, but like, let me know in Indy what you're looking to do. And so it was that same thing, like put myself in a unique situation, make everyone hopefully have a pleasant experience. And then that way it's not like just me trying to network in the sense of like, yeah. tell me more, what can you, what can you help me with? It's just more of like, Hey, I hope you had a great time. And then eventually that hopefully will come back. And that's how some of these things have come back because one of my guests is the one that reached out about doing the Google Street View car around the 500. And I was a former guest. And I said, I will that admit that is cool. I was a smart ass earlier, but it's a really neat thing that exists. Yeah. And it was fascinating. Like I got asked the question and, you know, we get, I'm sure Alan can wear and anybody that works at Google I can tell you, you get asked a lot of questions about Google that you're like, mm-hmm. we're a a big company and I'm like, I'm like I can't I, I can't fix know. your I can't fix your Gmail that got shut down. Like like someone asked me the other day, they're like they're like, Hey, um we have a bad review on Google. What do I do? It's like libelous. I'm like, here's the legal contact that I just Googled. Right. I just searched myself. I was like, this is the external friendly form I found by just being a better searcher than you are here because I don't know who to tell you like I don't know where our legal team sits or who to even contact most of the so requests that, most of the requests I get are like my info panel that you know when you search oh, somebody in the name the, the, na- the, oh. the knowledge panel I've, yeah I've actually talked panel. to some people about that that is a, that's um, an experience that team like, how do I experience. fix the knowledge panel I'm like well I don't you see that bottom that link at the bottom that yeah, says submit. report feedback use that link that says report feedback. feedback it's yeah. all machine one of the things though that is a consistent reoccurring theme and and you hit on it and I love it so much. It's so much about 
manifesting, creating, stepping into risk and opportunity is about your community. It is about who you are willing to talk to, to engage with, and be in network with. Um, yeah, and it's got to be authentic. Like, I don't, you know, there's a lot of people absolutely. that I still stay in touch with, but I don't stay in touch with, like, hey, great, how's it going? You know, like, I, you get right. some of those people that clearly are networking to network. Yeah. And there's, a, you know, there's other that's just like, hey, I saw this. This is definitely your world. Or I, congrats on your new, like, LinkedIn is you is great. Congrats on your new job or your new promotion or what you're doing. And um, and I think it's just, it's finding those, those spaces. And I've been fortunate to be put in some very unique ones. And I think some of those then... I think that amplifies because I think like I had a I put myself in a lot of unique places in Indiana that led me to like my getting in touch with the right person or being put in touch. I was not actively seeking. I still applied loosely applied, but I was I had a phone call with the person that was building the team because it was a friend of a friend of a friend. That's why it who mentioned it. And that yes, yeah, and a lot of how this stuff happens, and it was just happened to be the same job I was doing elsewhere. And then New York, it's the same thing. It was like I met Alan and I was like, I have some really cool things that would be fun to do. And so most of the talks I've done, there's been a couple where I've been able to just moderate. But most of them are just be like, who would I want to see? And then do I know anybody that knows them that would want, like, would they would they have a reason for the benefit for them? Like, and, you know, it's an easier sell since it's such a humongous platform that it's a good publicity for most people. But that's how most of them start. And there's a lot of them. And then a lot of people then say, that was super fun. I ran, I ran into a comedian who I interviewed <laughs> his brother. And I'm hoping to do it, talk at Google with him soon because I interviewed his brother. He, was, he wasn't famous at that time. His brother was. What, Alex Edelman? <laughs> yes. And yep. I ran into <laughs> Alex this week outside of the Comedy Cellar. And he looked, we both looked at each other. And I was like, I doubt he remembers who I am. But I was like, couple of drinks Steve. I was like, yeah, hey, nice to meet you. Loved your show. Saw it recently. Thought it was hilarious. And then he comes, looks to me, goes, you're still at Google? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, I haven't done a talk at Google yet. <laughs> he was like, he was like mad, like sibling rivalry here. Like my brother did one, but I haven't yet. And I actually thought he already had. So I was like, now let's go see if he can do it. So I, you know, got his email and Love that. I put it in front of the team and said, here, if like, hopefully it works out. Well, hopefully it'll work. I, I saw Alex years ago in, uh, in London, I was over there randomly for a business trip, and I saw him. He he was trying out a set in London, and I went with a friend. But His yeah, show he's got is enough. Hilarious. He's got enough Broadway show now, and and uh, yeah. It, Go see Alex. He has, 10, he has 10 minutes on his brother to that. I interviewed. So I it's like, for me, it was <laughs> so funny. They have bits on each other. It's so great. They have a whole, he has a whole section of that show that is just making fun of his brother with the stuff I interviewed his brother about because he was an Olympian. <laughs> and so right. that 10 minutes was just like, I, it was like, it was hilarious. It was like written for me to laugh at. Uh, you said something that I love and I think it's so true. Somebody told me once, you can have it all, but you can't have it all at the same time. And that feels aligned mm. with your, you can do new things, but what are you going to give up? Do something new, but you know that you have to give something up. Um, if you want to like have any sort of semblance of happiness and joy and not be stressed and overwhelmed. So A, where did that become kind of this mantra for you? Because I love it. And B, what did you give up to go all in on The Wrong Cat Died? Yeah, I, the mantra, I think some of those aha moments, those like weird, simple things that aren't, shouldn't be impactful, but become impactful. Mm-hmm. Is I remember when I was, this was early in my career, and I said to somebody, I can't do that. I'm too busy. And it wasn't work related. It was just like being invited to something that I, I probably didn't want to go to. <laughs> you know, like it was more of that. I said, I can't do that. I'm too busy. And they mm-hmm. go, What are you too busy with? You know, like what, like, really like you're in your early 20s early in your career like your job's not that difficult like like you you definitely have time to do stuff and it hit me because I was just like that's so true I'm not too busy I just don't want to do that you know it's like I just don't want to do that and that has been one of those things where every time I've taken on some exercise or something I do look at what my current workload looks looks like and I think like some of that is whenever you start like whenever I start a new role at work, it's hard. Like it's a, yeah. always a transition. And so I try to like, you have to take those opportunities when they come to you. And sometimes when I've taken those, I've said, you know, like the, my last one, thankfully, not thankfully, it was during the pandemic. And I was like, I was back in Indiana living at my parents and sister's house and I was golfing. 
after work every day because I live on a golf course. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I could golf a little bit less and do this work. You know, so it's like that was my trade off. <laughs> you know, like, but there are other times where those trade offs are more difficult to make. It's like if you want to go all in on working out or train for a marathon, you've got to commit to being able to do a Saturday 10 mile run. Sure. That like that. So it's like, what are you going to do? So when the wrong cat died came, thankfully, it was a time where it wasn't that busy. I also, for better or worse, I agreed to 10. <laughs> so my like commitment wasn't as much as what it's turned into. And so it's yeah. like I agreed to 10. I was like 10, 15 ish, 20 minutes episode. The network is amazing to be like, they're going to help with editing. They're going to help with music. They're going to help with all the stuff that's not. I used to joke with Alan all the time. They're like, I'm just a talent. Like, you all handle the rest. <laughs> um, but no, it's like it's like that part can be a big piece of like, I, I, I don't have the bandwidth to, to edit at the time. I, I was like, I couldn't do, especially monologuing. I was reading. I was reading them. I can't like I can't do that. Well, I was constantly messing up. All right. One more quick break. Hang on a second. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, here's the rest of the episode. And then I got thrown off. The one that threw me off the most was it was the, I forget, it was Busted for Jones, I think. We were recording it in the studio. And I'm finishing up because the next person is going to come in to do another episode and the next person happened to be Alex Brightman and I'm halfway through reading a line that says something about making a joke about Buster for Jones going to strip clubs and Taylor Swift being the cat in the movie that might be in you know like making some joke about Taylor Swift strip clubs and Buster for Jones and I look up and there's like one of the few Broadway people I know and I'm like oh my God, he has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> like there's gonna be no thing. So it was like those moments where I was like, okay, I can do that in those 10 episodes. And then we started interviewing, you know, like I got put in touch with a couple people from 2016 and started interviewing those. And I mean, still to this day, every time I record, I record three last weekend. I'm like, where, when does this need to end? When does this need to end? Like what else am I going to continue doing to keep this going versus other things? And I slowed down my release schedule a little bit to make it more manageable for me because I, yeah. I I like it. I've enjoyed it. It's super fun for me still to have these conversations with cast members and fans that I want to keep going as long as the Broadway Podcast Network wants me to keep going. Yeah, I want to keep <laughs> I mean, going, but I, I have to I have to make it more manageable. So last night when um, I quickly did my notes for one of the shows, just that's not coming out for a month. Just like, because I'm traveling for work and mm -hmm. go to the Indy 500. So my main and are busy. So I'm like, I got to get as much of this done and out of the way as possible now. And so I didn't have any plans like this weekend. So it's like, yeah, let me give up that. Not okay. like going to the Yankees game or something. You know, like something that's not as that I would be doing to do this stuff. And that's the choice I make, you know. And that's, I, I just look at all of it that way of like, what am I, what's my to-do list look like and what do I what do I want to do or need to do? And whenever I get a new opportunity, I kind of put it back to that thing. How much time is it going to take? How much am I going to enjoy it? What's the benefit? Mm -hmm. What's the pros? Mm -hmm. What's the cons? Um, and what's the trade-off? I love that. that. That's something that I've always really enjoyed about working with you is that you're, you think ahead, and it's probably what makes you really good at your job too, your day job, <laughs> but you, you think ahead, which most people don't do, but you're evaluating your time, <laughs> like you're saying, your time trade-off, right? Your, yeah. your cost-benefit analysis. So you're, because I, I remember when, the, when I made the comment, like, this is your podcast, The Wrong Cat Died, and then you're like, okay, well, let me think about it. All right, I can, I'm going to evaluate how much time it's going to take. 
I'm going to commit to 10 episodes. And you do 10 episodes, you're like, wait a second, I like this. Let me, I'll do a few more. And then it turned into the feedback and the fan interaction and uh, interviewing cast members. And so, but every time I remember specifically every single evolution of your decision was talking about, all right, so I can commit to this. MBA's coming up or it's yeah. performance management time at work. So I, you know, like depending on what's happening outside of podcast land, you're all, you've always been very upfront and transparent. And I don't know if you do this consciously, but you've been extremely good about always setting expectations with everybody else you work with. And I think it, maybe it's just second, like a, a, a byproduct of the way your mind works and how you think and you're talking through things but because you're like okay i'm gonna do this and it's, and i think it's gonna take this long like everybody just knows what to expect and so that goes back to what you were saying earlier about um keeping in touch with people authentically is that when they interact with you they know very specifically what they're gonna get and who you are and that you're reliable because you're like you either say you're gonna do something or you don't you're not gonna say oh i'll do that and then don't yeah, show up don't fall through and, yeah, yeah yeah totally yeah, I mean, it's, I think that's so important of like expectation setting. Like, this is a big thing we talk about at work, is is that like delivery on what you say. But you can choose in some cases what you say. Like, there's some stuff, of course, we we have to do. But there are other things where I think we choose to do. And I think about that a lot in and outside of our office. Is like, what what do I choose to do? And you know, when you think about the when I thought about cats and I like I teach a college course, like a bunch of these things I like I really enjoy and I've loved doing. I the thing that most people don't think of, like what other thing do I have to give up? It's like it's not always that. Like my one of my things is like it could be the working out. It could be that you don't cook your own meal, you like get stuff. I did a talk at Google with a very interesting personality, and um he wrote a book, he's very famous, and his book had it was riddled with, uh, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just come out here. I don't think he liked me anyways, but his name was Ryan Serhant. And, uh, <laughs> we could throw him under the bus. He didn't like you anyway. I, he, he didn't like me. I don't think. I was, <laughs> million dollar listing. Ryan Serhant. Million dollar listing. Ryan Serhant. Uh, he wrote a book called big money energy, which should tell you all you need to know about the book. Um, but the one thing I actually really liked about his book that I thought was fascinating, it, his, his advice was probably a little short sighted. It was like, I have somebody read all my emails for me and just give me the top 20 I need to do. But I, I, what I liked about his advice was this, you have 24 hours a day, that's currency. And so how do you use that currency? And that's true. it's like the currency isn't just the other things you're giving up inside or outside of work. It's, it's what are you giving up? Like, do you sleep an hour less? Do you mm -hmm. not work out for that hour? Do you do your workout at 5 a.m.? And it's like that was some stuff where I remember when I read that book, I'm like, I, that's kind of how I've always lived my life but not, I haven't thought about it in that capacity. And that was where it was a, what are those things now? And Alan, we just recently had a conversation about like, do you have an assistant help with those things? Like if you can afford that, if you have that luxury and there are things that like that time is super valuable and it allows you to do something else, especially if that allows you to do something else that makes money and to where, you know, kind of offsets, right. is that worth it? And so it's like, and that was where I was thinking like, as we commute to the office, like how do I make use of that time? And so there are things that I like try to think about those trade-offs in there. And like I've used, I listened to one of your podcasts ahead of time on a commute to like, you know, like knowing that I was gonna come onto this. And so it's like, how do you take those times and try to make moments to where, and some of that moment is gonna be, I very, I'm very confident that after we finish this, I'm gonna go watch TV for an hour at least. <laughs> and not think about anything yeah and that's an hour i really want and that's yeah. like an important piece to also know that sometimes you need those things like it doesn't have to just be go 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 you your mental health may need to prioritize on a thursday night to come yeah. home from work and just not think for a couple well, hours that's, and that's good that's where we know that joy is currency mm -hmm. right so your time is currency we know that across the board but choosing the things that will make you feel happy and joyful is also as valuable. I mean, as long as you're paying your bills, right? It is yeah. really valuable. So I love that. I think that's a really great place to sort of tie everything up. This, uh, you, I, I think you're just such a fun, fascinating person that is willing to just try and see what happens, but not because you're seeking it to create, you know, I don't want to be 
it's not like I'm trying to be famous or I'm going to have the best podcast. You just want to have some fun and be open. And I hope more folks can hear this and just get a little yeah, inspired to show up. I don't want to be famous. I don't want to be famous. I don't want to go that viral. Um, I have said that I, there's a sweet spot for this podcast and I want to stay in that sweet spot. Yeah. Um, you want the podcast to be famous, but not your not, not your exactly. name to not, be famous. Not me. I don't need to. But it's I don't just, need to be me. it's it's so inspiring to think like how can we show up more with this with this desire just to experience and be open minded, and then you know roll with the opportunities as they're presented to us and and do something fun with them. So Mike, thank you so much for being here with us on a on an early Saturday morning. Thank you for having me. This was super fun to talk about cats, but not actually have to explain the plot to somebody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You guys got to go listen to the wrong cat died to to get all of the cat information. Yeah, please do. <laughs> wrong cat died. Follow on Instagram. I barely tweet from it. Um, I just like. That's a good. Point. It's hard. It's hard. And then I just uh, I just created uh, this week a TikTok, but I haven't figured out how to use it yet. Oh yeah. Uh, I've been I've been trying to avoid it. And I was like, there's some it's content fun. available is fun. here. Um, it's, Cats is a great, it's just a great meme opportunity and mm -hmm. there's a lot to do with it. And so that's where I, I'm starting to do more of those just because I think it's fun and funny. But, uh, but yeah, take a listen. There's 80, almost 80 plus episodes out, which is 70 plus episode more than I agreed to. <laughs> uh, and there's more coming. So there's no I end in it. sight. Well, thank you so much. I hope you enjoy. Do you know what you're going to watch when you leave? I am going to probably watch Severance okay. on Apple TV. Mm, so I good. Heard a lot of good things. So good. Uh, I've watched the first episode and it was a good pilot. So probably do that. Um, although the challenge I run into is, I, I, as I said, I love sitcoms and Friends will. I'm assuming Friends will be on TBS most likely right now, and so <laughs> it's very hard for me not to just like turn friends on and have it as background noise as I don't sit and think, you know, just like just sit there and aimlessly stare to like re relax. And so that is my friends is on almost every hour of the day between Nick at night and TBS. <laughs> and a bunch of I have channels. a daughter who's obsessed with friends too. And so, yeah, it used to be yes, dear. That's my last, my, this is my last plug. This is yesterday was my favorite sitcom ever created that like no one watched. And it used to run my entire college career. It ran on TBS and then some other channel and then Nick at night. And it only ran for like five or six seasons and it covered everything that has to do with family life. And so I've always wanted to, if I get a doctor, it's going to be on that show and how it covered uh, American cultural society, but I'm not making that trade off right now. I don't have time for that. And that's not <laughs> the cost benefit of that is not in my favor right now, but that is uh that's what I do. I mostly background noise. I watch sports and friends. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, enjoy. <laughs> Thank you for spending some time with us. All right. Thank you all. How fascinating. Right? <laughs> it's just so he, random. I mean, I, I know I know that kind of guy from Indiana. And after we stopped recording, I was like, how often do you think? These are things I never thought I would say. I know these sports fans from Indiana. They're down-home boys. Like, this is wild we we're having this in-depth conversation about six and i'm like things you wouldn't expect he is such a a unique individual mm -hmm. and on the surface if you if you like write out all the characteristics about mike abrams i'm like this is the guy that i don't like he's the Absolutely. bro the yeah. sports guy the the god you know but then like he and i are such good friends and i think it's like what i was saying at the end was that he just the way he communicates and the way he thinks is just mm -hmm. so external i guess he's just yeah. like all right so like he talks through with you and he's like if i do this then i can't do this and then i'll commit to this and it's like okay great and he he loves learning and that's something yeah. that is a quality that, Absolutely. that i told you in myself that i'm afraid of getting old and being able to not learn anymore and i'm always yeah. trying to learn and he just embodies this whole practice of saying like yeah you know what let me get outside my comfort zone and see if I like it. And I, I, I respect it. him so much for that. And he's having so much fun along the way. It's so cool. And it's really inspiring. And he makes it seem so doable, right? Like so unintimidating and scary to just be like, well, just put yourself out there, see what happens. I did have a thought and I didn't want to go down the rabbit hole and I didn't want to take away from the conversation of the interview. 
as we were talking about networking and connection and how important that is in creation and manifestation, and I know that's true, and I was, was hearing him say, well, I know that he went to a, a private school that I know well in Indianapolis, and I know these indie racers and this and that, and it occurred to me that we haven't really given airtime to the fact that a lot of these connections are proof of privilege in a lot of ways. Like, we already mm-hmm. know, we know very clearly that who you know has a big difference on where you go. And then I'm like, man, and how many people don't know? It doesn't have everything. There's hard work and it's sometimes it's luck or accidental or whatever, but I just think we should acknowledge that there's a lot of privilege in growth from connection. Absolutely. I mean, you got to get in the room in the first place. And a lot of that initial getting in the room is because of who you know, and that comes from privilege. Absolutely. Not saying you shouldn't do it. You should totally do it. But, But be a ladder. I guess is what I'm trying to say is, own it, know the privilege, and then use it to be to be a ladder for other folks. Reach out in other ways for people who aren't getting those opportunities and bring them with you. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is, if you guys don't know this already, there's an entire set of Cards Against Humanities cards that are about cats. So maybe we should give him that as a gift. <laughs> that would be the thank you gift for for appearing on the show. That was so funny. All right. Thank you once again for listening. You've been listening to Was It Chance? The podcast about embracing opportunity and taking intentional risks for your creative life. I'm Alan Seals. And I'm Heather Vickery. Thanks for being here. We'll see you soon. Talk to you soon. We don't see him. I don't know. <laughs> We'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.